So last week we covered the first page of this handout on the second step proposition. The um, second step proposition is not about the second step, it's about a proposition, a question that's in the chapter to the agnostics. And on page uh, 53, uh, they say that, um, it says, when we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the question or proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. It says, what is our choice to be? This is a powerful choice, and this determines the quality of our lives. This determines how we feel. This choice we make all the time, moment by moment, is this choice, am I choosing me or God? And so we, uh, the first page of this talks about, a little bit about the surrender, how you have to surrender in your heart, surrender your life, your uh, will, and you have to do it in a way that is complete surrender to move on. You can't surrender a little bit. It has to be complete defeat, unconditional surrender. The surrender that they talk about in the big book isn't, I'm having a bad day, I need help, I'm giving up, I'm gonna to go to AA. The surrender is like when MacArthur was on the aircraft carrier with the Japanese uh, uh, officials and they were going to sign the, uh, the, uh, the deal when the Japanese surrendered. And you can see it. Uh, you guys are all so young, but we used to see pictures of this when I was a kid. And uh, MacArthur with his pipe and his uh, glasses, and then the Chinese guy with the top hats. And so when the Chinese, uh, the head of their state, uh, MacArthur hands them the unconditional surrender. And so the Japanese says, well, I have to get my glasses. And MacArthur says, you don't need to read this. You, you don't need to read this. This is unconditional surrender. And those are really the terms uh, that, we that we are required to do the deal. And, and the, the thing is, and Lori said it well, we have to do it all the time. We have to surrender constantly. Completely, it's not a one. It's not a. It's not you do it and then you're done. You have to surrender all the time, and you know when you're surrendering when you're doing the work, when you're living in steps 10, 11, and 12. You're praying, you're meditating, you're doing inventory, and you're working with others. And so they talk here about this uh, Dr. Thibault, and he says, when the alcoholic can truly accept that he needs a power greater than himself, when he can truly give up on himself, which is. You can do lip service to it, but to really mean it, then you have such a change in the alcoholic's personality that if they do the rest of the work, they'll stay sober the rest of their life. It's this transformation that I, the humility that I no longer can successfully manage my life. And so now we're going to look at uh, how we use this question, this second step proposition, in our lives. In this handout, I've been doing this. Uh, I bet I've done this handout 25 times, maybe more. And uh, I listened to uh, Dave Frederick on Fellowship of the Spirit conference on XA speakers, and I give him credit. This is where we got the handout from. And when I listened to it, I said, this is really, really good stuff. They do a whole, uh, so I got the PDF, and my wife copied the whole PDF, and I got this out of the PDF. 
and we've been studying this. And when I studied this, and I do this, my life changed. Because I don't know about you, but fear dominated my life. You fear it dominate your life? And it could still today. I, I got a funny story about myself, which I'll tell you in a little while. At least I thought it was funny. My wife didn't think it was that funny, but I thought it was pretty funny. And about how we get these fears that are irrational. So it says, our original question, why is life outside of A such a mess? And the, the point being that you'll give up drinking, and you come here and you want to surrender your drinking. But the unconditional surrender we're talking about is your whole life, your whole will. And why you're not drinking, you're going to meetings, but your life is still a mess. And what they mean by a mess could be, are you still disturbed? Are you bothered? Do you get angry? Are you fearful? Do you have... Uh, uh, worry and agitation and that's the normal way an alcoholic feels right sober without the steps in God and it says why because your alcoholic ego has rebuilt itself it doesn't say your ego has rebuilt itself it's your alcoholic ego I think that's an interesting word because it's it's my alcoholic ego ego that separates me from God and makes me feel like I can capable of making my own decisions and then when I do that, I make my own decisions, and then things don't go well. And then I blame everybody else. Anybody do that? He says, remember, we conceded our drinking, and we only conceded that in our mind. We have to concede everything that the second step requires to our innermost selves. We have to completely concede that on my own, my life outside of AA is unmanageable by me. Does anybody re remember where this is in the big book? pages 60 to 63. And also when, uh, when the chapter to the agnostic, uh, on page uh, 52, uh, page 53 is where we get the question. On page 52 they say, uh, are you having human problems? Do you have trouble with personal relationships? Anybody have that? Ever heard of that? Yep. Couldn't control your emotional natures. Pray to misery, not just misery, but pray to misery and depression. Can't make a living, feeling of uselessness, full of fear, unhappy, can't be of any real help. Those are the results of, of, of my ego telling me I can run my life. Does anybody recognize some of that in their life when you came in here? Well, if you stop drinking, you can still have that. That will still come into play. And so we need to treat the the, uh, we have to treat the spiritual malady sober or else we drink again. And this is a, a great tool that we're going to learn how to do that. So it says, we have, haven't admitted defeat or conceded our powerlessness in running the rest of our life. And it's very subtle. You come in here, you're not drinking, things are getting better. And you say, uh, gee, I, I really like those meetings. And, and uh, boy, I've learned a lot about the big book, but I'm not going to go three times a week. It's too much. I can't listen to him that much. Uh, don't all agree. Then, or they'll say, uh, you know, I, I got my car back, and I need to spend more time with my family, and I don't need to do the steps, I don't need to call my sponsor, and I don't need to uh, uh, pray all the time. And then you're, you're lost. And it, it's very subtle. And your mind, you can rationalize all of those things that I said, and it may make sense to you if you're alcoholic, but it's going to ruin your life. 
So here's what they say. God is everything. Anybody think that that's true? Yep. Well, of course it's true. God is everything. And remember in the third step, it, there's a requirement for the decision and to turn our will and life over to God. What's the first requirement? It says we have to stop playing what? God. Now, why? It doesn't work. And then it took me a few years to realize it doesn't work because I'm not God. See, I had serious alcoholism. But some of these things are so simple that we can't even see the truth. And it's subtle. We, we'll play God, and, and we don't realize we're doing it. <clears throat> but if people look at us, they'd say, well, that's really insane. You're managing things that aren't yours to manage. So you have to give God everything. And what happens is a lot of people give alcohol drinking when they come in here, right? And they think if they stop drinking, their life's going to be great. Anybody remember that? But we don't understand that we have to give God complete control of our entire life. And remember what it says after the third step prayer? In the big book, they have the third step prayer. And then afterwards, there's a warning after you read it. It's a powerful line that I don't think a lot of people focus on. It says on page 63, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we're ready. And you have to be ready that you can at last abandon yourself utterly to him. It doesn't talk about drinking. You're giving your whole self to God. And so it says, to, and it says an entire concession at the deepest level and it says, we offered ourselves for him to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Does anybody think that's a good idea? Now that means all of you. And a lot of us say it, and we mean it, and then we get up and we go eat breakfast, and we're, and we're in our mind, we're starting to manage the day. Anybody ever do that? And so that means God is running the show, the whole show. Now I like this one. It says, I don't get a vote. And it says, as Don P. says, your life is none of your damn business. <laughs> now, Chuck C. said, it's my business to do God's business. And it's God's business to take care of me. And that's, that's really the third step. And it's very powerful. It's my business to do God's business. And it's God's business to take care of me. And that's a contract. And it says, the third step says, made a decision to turn our will, which is what I want, and our lives, everything about my actions and my life, over to the care of God. So I'm giving it all to the care of God. I'm going to be under God's care, but I still have, I still have a will, and my, is my will going to conform to God's will or my will? See, I still have the choice. I, I turn myself over to the care of God, but I have the the choice to seek God's will or do my will. And it says, now this is, this is good. It says, from this point on, what I want does not matter. Isn't that a son of a gun? <laughs> what I want does not matter. It's what God wants that matters, and that's the whole AA program. And he said, the sponsor made him write, what I want does not matter all over the place. I could see it all day, every day. And God bless, we lost Dan this year. But Dan used to love the second step proposition. He used to sit right here, right over there. And he'd talk about how, how he wrote, what I want does not matter all over the place. And if you do that and you can see it, it really helps you get centered. And because when you decide what you want matters, 
then you start running that, and then you're going to have fear. So you see how the second step preposition works? When you choose yourself, whatever you're choosing to manage yourself, you're going to have fear in. And then you're going to take actions to fix the fear, and you're going to make a mess of your life. So it says, so what we want is we want to do what God wants all day long, right? We want to stay out of what I want does not matter. So this is an exercise to help you do this. And it works. It absolutely works because I use it all the time. And then he talks about how he prays and meditates uh, because his prejudice is one of my greatest roadblocks to true progress. Prejudice means my prejudgment, what I think of things. I don't know about you, but my, my old ideas of what I thought I knew really uh, caused me a lot of uh, pain because they were usually wrong. And, and, and I'm always excited when I see, a new old, I see an old idea that I was wrong about and I can let go of it. And Chuck Z said every day he wakes up and he asks God what else he could find he was wrong about. And then he also said another very powerful thing, what we're supposed to do is undis uncover, discover, and discard all those things of me that aren't God. And we see what, we see what isn't God all the time. So he said the set of side prayer, that's where I, I got this from, and he, he, he formulates it this way, you can say anything you want, but it's the idea that, I, God, I ask you to be with me, to guide and direct me as I seek your truth. See, I don't want to live on lies anymore. My old ideas are lies, they're wrong, they're ideas I've told myself, and a lot of times they're not true. I want to live on truth. Father, please set aside within me that what would block me off from the truth, and, and what... Uh, Matt was saying, when you look at your four-step, you see the things in you that blocked you off from God's truth, that separated you from God. Lay aside my prejudices about what I think I know. And I usually say, God, the exercise, the big book, uh, what's best for me, what's best for others. Remove my fears about what I may find out about myself, Lord, and help me realize your truth. And it's a great prayer. And I, I say that every day. It says, now, to begin this exercise is you need a sheet of paper and, and something to write on. So this is not a really hard thing to do. And you make two columns. Anybody think they can do that? At the top of one column, you write, what areas of my life have I not given or am I not willing to give to God? Then you fill in the column one with all the areas of your life where this applies. Now, you know how what, an area you're not willing to give to God Whatever you're worried about right now, whatever you're focusing on. Now, I was uh, telling Mark, go forth, God bless him. He has to listen to me a lot. And uh, he's not here tonight. He's actually celebrating his 20th anniversary. And he and his wife, and he's been sober 19 years. Isn't that neat? Wow. And they're going out tonight. So I used to tell him about the schedule. I've told the group about the schedule, right? You've all heard about my nonsense. Either I'm too busy or not busy enough. They didn't do it right. Uh, people won't think of me. It's all those fears of not being good enough, not having approval. Well, my new one, he says now, is my budget. See, I don't have work anymore. Now that I'm retired, he's, he's hearing about the budget. And, and, uh, and he told me that, and I laughed, and it made it seem so good because I was, I was just telling him a few months ago how I wasted all that time worrying about the schedule. And it, it never was a problem, except for me in my head, because I was afraid of not being good enough for approval or this or that. And so the same is with the budget, so I was really able to let go of that. 
So I texted my wife, and, and I thought it was pretty good, but she says it's nothing to brag about. Uh, I don't know if you can relate to this. Anybody relate to this? These fears we have that are totally irrational, that we, uh, that we focus on, because in some way it has to do with uh, the way we want to be seen or we see ourselves. Any area of your life which you've not... So I gave God my life. I gave him the budget. I put it in the God box. And uh, we'll see how long I go before I have to do it again. Uh, I'll give you an update. But when I do that, it really helps. Then I thought, and then I went to the noon meeting today, and they talked about gratitude. And we talked about uh, some other things that were right home with how these things that we're trying to manage, we should, we should realize all the gifts God's given us and how uh, those fears are really uh, uh, silly. And so it says, what areas am I not willing or have I not given to God? Now, he talks about the tornado exercise, and he talks about, uh, on page 82, it says, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others, remember? On page 83, I don't know if any of this happened to you, but on page 82, it says, see if anybody can relate to this besides me. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderable habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of a cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife he said, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? See, we can't see the wreckage of our lives, the people that we've touched. So he says in this exercise, when you're looking at what areas of your life, look at the people in your life. Look at your spouse. Look at uh, kids, relatives, people at work, uh, siblings, parents, friends, co are, are you having any, any conflict in these relationships? Do you have any areas of these lives where you're trying to manage? Are you trying to manage your spouse or your significant other or people at work? And if you are, then you're going to have be disturbed. Those relationships are going to produce fear and they're not going to be good. Have you given these relationships and the outcome over the God? Am I still trying to control these? Anybody have any of those in their life? Yeah. And you think about it, because if you're, if you're bothered, if there's some relationship with, pe with a person that's having some drama in your mind, it's because you're still trying to manage that relationship, and you have fear from it. And remember, fear is behind all of our resentments, remember? When, we, when we're angry and we're bothered by people, it's all because of fear. And this is how you can see your fear, because you're, you're managing how they should be or how they should react to you or how they should act. And then you can ask this question, besides people, you can ask, what areas of my life have I been generally unhappy, frustrated, angry, or upset lately? What do you complain about? In what areas have you had drama? In what areas have you not been getting your way? Job, finances, investments, relationships, spirituality, physical condition. It gives you a whole list here of uh, things to look at. So what you're doing is you're looking at areas in which you're managing or you're disturbed. And where, why are you afraid to give these relationships, these people, these things to God? Because if you give them to God, then you won't have fear. 
Now, on the third step, there's a powerful um, contract that we make with God. On page 63, has anybody said the third step? Has everybody here said the third step? Right. Right? Well, if you haven't said it for a while, Roman, you might start. Um, the third step, everybody says the prayer and everybody likes it, right? Well, it says when you take this position where God's the director and God's your father and he's the child, all remarkable things happen. You have a new employer, so now you work for God. And when you think about that, it helps put everything in the focus. It says being all-powerful. Do you agree God's all-powerful? It says here's the contract. And I have to remember this, God will provide everything I need, not want, but everything that he thinks I need. And here's the contract, I have to fulfill this. If I keep close to him and perform his work well. So that's the deal in AA. God will give me everything I need in terms of ability to react in fit spiritual condition to anything that happens. It doesn't mean I'll get more money or a new car or get rid of this one or get a new one or whatever that is. It means that I will have whatever I need to handle any situation. And I get that if I keep close to him. Now, how do you get close to God? Ask yourself, how do you get close to God? Well, one suggestion is you do steps four through nine because it says you're going to face and be rid of the things that are blocking you from God, right? And you do steps four through nine, and then you live in steps 10, 11, and 12, which is how you perform his work. See, 10 and 11, and we're going to look at 11 on Saturday, those, those uh, two pages are basically how you do God's work and how you stay close to him. And if you do that, you will have everything you need. So that's what this is about. How do you stay close to God and how do you perform his works well in all these areas that you're trying to manage? So it says, why are we afraid to give these areas to God? Well, why are you afraid to give him money? Well, you won't have enough money, right? And then you won't be able to buy all the things you think you have to have to be happy. And then if you don't have enough money, people think you're a loser. And then you, you won't get loved and people won't approve of you. And everybody will talk about you because you're the center of the universe and you're the most important thing. So you're all anybody should ever think about. Uh, you see how preposterous it is, but it's, it's really real. Um, and then it says, why are you afraid to do this? And we're going to look on this, show you some uh, examples on the editor page. And then there's a prayer, a prayer for fear that I say all the time. Does anybody know the fear prayer? On page 68, it's very specific. I've only gone over this eight, 18 million times. Let's do it again, team. All right, Roman, calm down here. Remember, I'm the jokester, Roman. That's uh, page 68, it says about fear, it says, we ask him to remove my fear. Now remember we talked about the 10 step. What does it say all day long? We watch for fear. When it crops up, we do what? We ask at once for God to remove it. Fear is when I'm separating from God and when I'm getting into management. It says, I ask God to remove my fear and direct my attention to what he would have me be, not do. And it says, at once we commence to outgrow fear. Now, 
And I thought about this prayer, and I've used it a lot. And I heard something this week that was so obvious, but you know, I'm I'm not I'm not that smart. And I heard this lady say, she she was talking. It was a very good. It was on letting God lead by Norma and Dave, a married couple, Blind Dave. And I never thought about, but what we're really doing in AA is letting God lead us and guide us. And I have to prepare myself for him to be able to lead me by letting go of the things in me that are blocking me from his guidance. And she talked about fear, and she said, fear is a form of meditation. I never thought about that. But when you're afraid, that's what you're focusing all your attention on. You're meditating on it, and then it becomes real. And then you try to, to figure out how you're going to fix that fear, and that's, it's just a form of meditation. And so if I ask God to remove my fear and direct my attention to how I would have me be, what, God is, what I'm asking God is to take me away from meditating on the fear and turn away from that. Remember it says in step 10, turn our thoughts to others when we're in, in anger, fear, resentment, or self-centeredness. We turn my fear away from my, my attention, away from the fear meditating on that, to my attention to meditate on how God wants me to be. And when I do that, I'm moving away from self-centered management to being God-centered and God-directed. It's very simple. If you really do it and you keep doing this prayer, whenever you're afraid, you say, God, remove the fear and direct my attention to how I should be. And you focus on your being, you stop focusing on the fear. And whenever I do that, I focus on gratitude for what I have, how, how I trust God, how I need courage, and how I need to stay in the now away from something that isn't happening. And it always works for me. And we're going to see how you use that in this exercise. So does everybody know that where the fear prayer is now? If you use that, it works. And we ask God, he says, and so he says, alcoholic, stop here. We, you know, when we ask God to remove the fear, he says we stop. The part about we have a, have a vision of where we need to go to be with God, and that's what the being is. Where do I need to go to be uh, the person to be in conscious contact with God? And so he takes your thoughts away from self-centered fear to how you should be. And he talks about that when you meditate on what God wants us to be, now it doesn't say do, and it tells how I should be. There's a big difference between being and doing. He talks about it. If I'm going to go on a trip, I have to know where I'm starting from, then I have to know where it is when I, where I want to go, where God wants me to be, and then you figure out how to get there. And he says it's the same thing when dealing with our egos. We need to know where our ego has deluded us. My ego deludes me when I'm in fear right? It's not real. And I, then I have to stop and where I should be going, where God wants me to be, and then I have to have a plan on how God wants me to live and be. And it says, this carries in with the instructions on page 85 that we've been studying. We're in a different part of the book on Saturday. It says, every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will to all my activities. I must. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not be done. And he says, this is the proper use of the will. So what we're doing when we're trying to figure, direct my attention how I should be is we're trying to, to uh, turn my attention to what is God's will for me in that situation. And when I do that, I make better decisions. And, and so uh, 
Ryan and I have that LPTKCC. It works, doesn't it, Ryan? Love, patience, tolerance, kindness, consideration, and compassion. When I be that way, things are always better. And then, and those are has to do with relationships. And then for these areas of my life that I'm managing, I have to be. I wrote, I trusting, grateful, courageous, faithful, and uh, uh, that always works. So here, you can use this sheet. You can make these cards. I know people have done it. Uh, I've done it. Uh, I, I've done. I, I have these same irrational fears sometimes, so I know how to do it right away when I get separated. And uh, so it says, what areas have you not been giving to God? So let's say career job. Why are you afraid to give this areas to God? Because you're not going to get the job you think you want or you need, or you're not going to have enough money. So how does God want me to be? Well, grateful you have a job. He wants you to be the best at your job that you are. He wants you to be uh, kind and loving to everybody and faithful to, to God's uh, uh, plan for you and trusting God. Anybody worry about their health or body? They don't want to look bad. They don't want to feel bad. Uh, why are you afraid to give your health or body to God? Uh, relationships. Anybody have a relationship? Not getting what you want. That's why you won't give it to God. Or they're not going to be the way you want them to be. Or you're not going to be loved and intimacy and out of control. These are just some examples that he wrote. Finances. Anybody worry about money? Not providing for my family, not enough money. So I can go from sitting on my deck with really no worries at all to being 88 and on the street with no money in diapers. <laughs> now you're all laughing, but if you're alcoholics, you know how that can happen. You can see it, you know, here you are. And then they're going to be carting me out of the house. And then I, I said, just put me under the pool cover. Just just let me go. But you see how it is. Does anybody have fears where you, one fear trigger another, trigger another, and before you know it, you forgot how it started. And, uh, you know, it, it, alcoholics can do that. Alcoholics can create a whole play within seconds. And it never is good. It's always bad, and, and it seems real. Am I the only person that's ever done that? Did anybody else do that? And then, and then if everything, here's the other thing that I think I've, I do. I don't know about you because I may be sicker. But if everything used to be great and everything was perfect, then I'd worry what I was missing. There must be something out there that I need to worry about. What, what, what is it? Anybody used to do, I used to do that before I got in the program. Everything's good, you're having a great day. Well, what is it? Because it says we're always uneasy. So anyway, this, this really works. If you can go through it, uh, write it out, and focus on that. So he says, uh, in the morning meditation for Vigo, it says continue to watch. And we've gone through that a, a, a million times. Page 84, that one paragraph. Um, uh, under here, and this thought brings you to step 10. If you're new, if you read this paragraph, this tells you how you play the role that God assigned and how you stay close to him. If you just do the things, it's like nine lines. But it says when you're the world of the spirit, you want to grow an understanding effectiveness, it should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch 
for selfishness, society, resentment, and fear. See, Matt's learned a lot because he can recognize it now from doing his fourth step. And he can see how when he was that way, bad things happen. And it says, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them. We make amends. Then it says, I turn my thoughts to someone I can help. I turn my thoughts away from my self-centeredness to someone I can help. And so uh, what you're doing now is the same thing. When you have a fear, you turn away from it. You're going to ask God to remove it, how you should be, direct your attention elsewhere. For me, what always works is just be in the now, right now, and be happy with what you have and happy with what's going on and focus on what I need to do now to serve God. And that gets me out of any of these uh, screwball thoughts. I really don't get them much anymore. I used to get them all the time when I was first, when you first come in, I don't know about you, but fear is really big in the beginning, first few months, first few years, it's tough. But then as you do this a while, you see your fears is not real. And so um, he gives a few examples here. Uh, he talks about when you find out you didn't get a promotion at work, you wanted, you're agitated and you're mad, uh, how you, uh, you carry the card around, you look at it, and it gets you back into the beam. Uh, he has a prayer here. Ask God to remove the specific fear of fears that have gripped us. He says, Father, I'm in trouble here in this state. I can't be of help to you or those about me. Please remove my anger and fear of not getting what I want. It could even be approval, recognition, love, career, job, sex, hobbies, spirituality, money. Um, and then you flip the card over and you've already written out why you're not afraid to give it and, and how God wants you to be and you can just look at the card. You can really carry around all your basic fears. You can put them on a card and you just pull them out. You say, well, there. And here's, a, here's where he talks about, um, he says, Lord, please remove my anger and fear. I, I, this is kind of my mantra in my mind. Replace them with gratitude for what I have. Patience in knowing that you have a plan for my wife. Faithfulness in the fact that you love me. Trust in you that you will provide what I need if I keep close to you and perform your works well. You see, if I fulfill the contract in the third step prayer, I will get everything I need. And then uh, uh, he says, how specifically can I be patient, honest, trusting, loving, grateful, faithful, stored for God right here, right now? So in other words, get back on the beam in the now. And so I don't know if this uh, is helpful. It may sound like a, a lot of uh, stuff, but if you do it, uh, you actually spend some time. It's very simple to do. See if it doesn't help you. If you have a sponsor, whenever you get a fear, call them and tell them. And then you'll say the prayer. And you'll say, why am I afraid to give this to God? A lot of people come in here, they have DUIs, right? They're very afraid, scary. So why am I afraid to give the DUI to God? Well, I won't get what I want. I'll have to go to jail. I may cost me money. And then you help them say, well, uh, God removed my fear of the DUI and the consequences and how should I be? Well, grateful that you can repay your debt to society. Grateful you didn't kill anybody. Grateful that you're in AA now. Grateful that you had such a bad experience that you're now seeking God and working the steps. There are a lot of ways you can turn things around and get in the nail. So uh, 
we had birthdays and I talked a little bit uh, longer than I'd like, but I wanted to finish this tonight and I hope this helps somebody. So we're going to open it up if I can figure out how to turn it off. There you go. Alright, congratulations again to the birthdays. It's great seeing Ben again and you come and visit. And I'm, uh, I'm Ben, I'm alcoholic. You're off, right? 